I want to thank Dr. Allen for the invitation, for this opportunity to come and share and worship with each and every one of you, uh, and for the hospitality uh, that Midwestern has shown me thus far. Uh, it's a blessing to be with you on today, uh, and I'm grateful uh, for this time together. <clears throat> Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love and adore you, and we are grateful for your amazing grace toward us. Now, Lord, we need to hear clearly from you. So, Lord, I pray that you will speak by your word, through your servant, to your people and for your glory. It's in the master's name of Christ we pray, and all God's people said amen. 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 Dr. Allen, I can get used to this. Might have to, <laughs> might have, to have, have Hillcrest call you with some specifications. Usually when I have to go preach somewhere, I'm used to the pulpit being much lowered. All right, James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. <clears throat> James 1, verses 22 through 25. Reading from the English Standard Version, it says, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a natural man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Our brothers and sisters, for a few moments, I just want to talk to you from the theme, there's a blessing in the mirror. There's a blessing in the mirror. Not too long ago, I was at the electronics store making a purchase, uh, when I overheard a conversation between an elderly man and one of the employees. You see, the man had purchased a smartphone the day before, and he came back the next day returning it because he said it didn't work. The employee asked what was wrong with it, and the man said, it's not that smart at all. I told it to turn on, and it did nothing. I told it to call my wife, and it did nothing. I asked it for directions, and it did nothing. You all call these things smart, but I'm smarter than this phone because it can't do anything. The lady was kind of laughing, and she asked the man one question. She said, did you read the instruction book? And the man dropped his head and said, I glanced at it, but I didn't have time to read all that stuff. Brothers and sisters, sadly, many Christians make the same mistake. They have a mistaken idea that reading a few verses from the Bible every once in a while or hearing a sermon every once in a while will give them access to all the features and blessings God has for us. But James reminds us that it's not just the hearing of the word, but the practicing of the word that brings about access to God and the blessings that come from being his child. So in our text today, James helps us to understand that what is heard in the holy place must be lived out daily in the marketplace, that the children of God are to be doers of the word, otherwise we deceive ourselves. The text lays out pretty cleanly. James gives us a mandate to observe the word. He says in verse 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers deceiving yourselves. As Christians, we are commanded to obey the word of God. And that command is to keep obeying. It's not just obey it the one day you came down the aisle and accepted Christ. We are to keep obeying the word of God. The more we learn, the more we are to obey and practice in our daily lives. 
The words of Christ in Matthew 7, 21 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Jesus reminds us that this Christian life is a lifelong journey of learning to practice the word of God, of following in the footsteps of our Lord and Savior who obeyed his Father's will at every turn. So it's not just hearing a good sermon. It's not just reading a Bible verse every once in a while. The Christian life is a life of continually learning to apply what you've studied and read. But many believe that a quick reading is enough or a short hearing is enough. And often we substitute reading the word and hearing the word for practicing the word. But Paul reminds us in Romans 2 and 13 that it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who are justified. Disciples learn the word of God, not just to know the word, not just to brag about how many verses we memorized, but in order that we may live out this word, that the word may transform us from the inside out so that we continue to look and live more and more like our Savior. But Warren Wisby's comments are true, that too many Christians mark their Bibles but their Bibles never mark them. They read the word, but they never allow the word to penetrate their heart and transform their lives. When we listen to the word and fail to practice the word, we literally deceive ourselves, James tells us. Ultimately, the only person we fool is ourselves. Your family knows you're not practicing the word. Your teachers know you're not practicing the word. Your close friends know you aren't practicing the word. And ultimately, God knows that you aren't practicing the word. Reminds me of a teenage boy in Chicago who was arrested multiple times for impersonating a police officer. He had stolen a police uniform from the local cleaners, went out, got himself a hat and a fake badge, and he would run around and impersonate a police officer arrested multiple times, and every time he got out, he would go back and do the same thing over and over again. But his friends knew he wasn't a policeman. His family knew he wasn't a policeman. God knew he wasn't a policeman. He was the only one who was deceived enough to believe that he was a police officer. James tells us that when we hear the word and don't practice the word, we're literally deceiving ourselves running game on our own selves, tricking ourselves into thinking we're okay when the word says we need to submit. So James gives us first this mandate to obey the word, but then he gives us a model to examine the word. Verse 23 and 24 says, for if anyone is a hero of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who intently looks at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once he forgets what he's looking like. The mirror is our model for obeying the word. The purpose of a mirror is simply to reflect the image in front of it. It's to show you what you look like. And there are two images in the word that you see every time you open your Bible. Because every time you open your Bible, God opens his mouth. When you open your Bible, you see, first of all, the image of God's glory. But when you open your Bible, you also see your own sinfulness. 
That's why many of us don't want to spend too much time in our Bible. We don't want to see our own condition. An authentic encounter with God, an authentic reading of the word of God and submitting to it will reveal both the glory of God and your own sinful nature. Isaiah had an encounter with God. It's recorded in Isaiah 6. And first of all, it revealed God's glory. It says, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And then in verse 5, we see that it also revealed Isaiah's sin. He says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Peter had an encounter with God. Luke chapter 5, it says that he, were, he and the disciples were fishing and they'd been fishing all day and didn't catch anything, Jesus got into the boat and said, cast out your nets and let it down for a catch. Peter answered, Master, we toiled all night and caught nothing, but at your word, we'll let down our nets. They obeyed the word of God, pulled in so many fish that the boat almost sank, and Peter turned around and said, depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. Every time we encounter the word of God, we have an encounter with the God of the word. And that encounter will show you the glory of God, but it will also show you your own sinful ways. So we see the purpose of the mirror, but he also reminds us of the integrity of this mirror, that the mirror does not lie. The mirror tells you what you really look like. It tells you the content of your heart. It tells you what areas of your life you're struggling with. It tells you the truth because the mirror doesn't lie. Digital photos can be altered. Social media platforms now come with all types of filters and enhancements to make yourself look much better than you really look in the first place. But when you look at an actual mirror, you see yourself as you really are because the mirror does not lie. And sometimes our own pride keeps us from looking into the mirror of God's word. Our own pride tells us that I'm not that bad. I'm doing better than my other classmate. I'm doing better than so-and-so down the street. But your pride is hindering you from the very thing that's helping you to be what God called you to be. You see the integrity of the mirror, the purpose of the mirror, but then he moves on and he speaks about the man in the mirror. He says, those who hear the word and don't act on the word are like those who glance at the mirror and walk away. Two minutes later, forgetting what they look like. James is intentional in mentioning a man in this part of the text because it's men that look at the mirror quickly and keep on moving. <laughs> I've been married for 18 years. My wife is the love of my life. And the best thing God ever did for us was gave us a house with two mirrors in the bathroom. I haven't been late for church since. <laughs> because now that we have two mirrors, she can take her time and look and look and look, change outfits and look and look, change her hairdo and look and look, and I can still make my way to the church house on time. <laughs> Men look quickly and run out the door. But women are more inclined to take a deeper examination at the mirror. As a matter of fact, women will look at the mirror before they leave the house. They may go to another room to a full-length mirror. They get in the car and check the mirror over the visor. They get to work, go to the bathroom, and check that mirror once again to make sure everything's in place. Sometimes they even keep one in their purse just for those times when you don't know if something's moved a little bit. 
to make sure everything is in its perfect position. James says the person who reads the Bible, closes it, and goes about their life without submitting themselves to what the God of all creation has said is like a man who looks at the mirror, forgets what he saw, and walks right out the door. But the word he uses for forget is not just failing to remember, it's allowing something to escape your mind by inattention. And isn't that the truth? That there are so many things battling for your attention each and every day. Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and all these things. And the truth of the matter is that most of us spend more time looking at a screen than we do looking at the mirror of God's Word. All of these things are competing for your attention and tempting you to neglect the very life-transforming Word of God. James says when we treat God's Word like men treat a mirror, we don't examine our hearts, we just look and go walk away forgetting what we were looking like. The Pieta by Michelangelo is a marble sculpture located in St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City. Famous work of art depicts the body of Jesus Christ laying on the lap of his mother after the crucifixion. Over the years, it sustained much damage. Four fingers were broken off of Mary's hand during a move in 1736. Later in 1972, it was damaged by a mentally disturbed man who took a hammer to it and tried to destroy it. So they found the best marble sculptor they could, and the Vatican hired him to restore the sculpture to its original state. Once the sculptor was located, he did not begin work until he spent months studying the original masterpiece. He wanted to be certain he understood every nook and cranny of the sculpture before he began right down to the smallest detail. So he would look at the picture, and then he would do some work. He would look at the picture, and then he would do some more work. Then he would look back at the picture, and then he would do a little more work. His attempt was to restore the statue back to the, the creator's original intent. And brothers and sisters, that's what we need to do with the word of God. We need to look at the book and then look at our hearts. Look at the book and then examine our minds. Look at the book and then examine our practices to make sure that we are living a life that lines up to the Creator's original specifications. It is the will of God to use the Word of God and the Spirit of God to make the children of God live like the Son of God. And he does it by us submitting ourselves to this book. James says there's a mandate to obey the word. There's a model to examine the word. And lastly, James tells us there is a motivation to obey this word. But the one who looks at the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He says the one who looks. It's an intentional stare, not just glance and go, not let me spend two minutes on devotion and the other 23 hours doing whatever I want in this day. No, it's intentionally looking and examining closely the Word of God. But if you're going to intently examine the Word, you have to humble yourself. If you're telling yourself, I already read this, I already know what this means. 
I'm doing pretty good in this area. You will miss what God has to say to you each and every morning. We are to intently study and examine closely the word of God. And when you examine it, you'll see that it is the perfect law of liberty. It's perfect because it is the word of God. Psalm 19 and 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It's perfect because God gave it to us, and every good and perfect gift comes from God. There is nothing better than this book. This book is better than your history books. This book is more relevant than today's newspaper, and it contains the greatest love story the world has ever seen. It tells us that God loves you and that God's plan is to reconcile this world unto himself. You need to read this book. But it's also the perfect law of liberty because when we obey it, God sets us free from the tyranny of sin. Psalm 119 and 45 says, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. Obeying the word frees us from the captivity of sin. So James says it's the perfect law of liberty. That phrase, law of liberty, is paradoxical, paradoxical, and it reminds us of the paradoxical nature of the kingdom of God. When we think laws, we usually think limits. But he says this is the perfect law of liberty because God's laws don't limit us, they liberate us. They are boundaries that protect us from sin and free us to be the men and women God called and created us to be. And we think the word of God is limiting us, but it's actually freeing us because God has given us these boundaries to live within so that we can live for the glory of God. And we have boundaries in everything. I was watching the U.S. Open tennis match last night. And you need to stay within the baseline if you want to win the tournament. You can't win a football game unless you play within the sidelines. No one has ever won the game by running out the side of the stadium, coming around the other side, coming into the end zone, spiking the ball and saying touchdown. You have to play within the boundaries to win in every sport. And within the Christian race, you have to stay within the boundaries of God's word to be the man or woman God called and created you to be. John 18 and 31 says, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. A quick glance at the Bible will never reveal your deepest needs. A quick glance at the Bible will never reveal God's amazing love toward you. We must examine our heart and our lives as we examine the Word of God. It's the difference between a photo and an MRI. Both involve exposure to light, but a photo is one brief second of light. An MRI is an intense internal image that shows you everything that's going on in your body. And sometimes the MRI will hurt, but it's the hurt that leads to your healing. So my brothers and sisters, I encourage you to stay in your word. We ought to thank James for the word that he has given us on today. He gives us a mandate to observe the word. He gives us a model to examine the word. And then he gives us a motivation to obey the word. 
James wants you to know that there's a blessing in this mirror because the mirror tells you to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The mirror teaches us that obedience is better than sacrifice. The mirror helps us understand that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto us. But it also teaches us that we are to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow Jesus. But I thank God not only for the word of James, but I thank God that 2,000 years ago, he didn't just send a mirror, he became a mirror. John 1 and 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Throughout his life, from incarnation to exaltation, Jesus reveals to us the characteristics and love of God. When we see Jesus, we see God's grace. When we see Jesus, we see God's forgiveness. When we see Jesus, we see God's glory. And when we see Jesus, we see God's love. That love is most clearly seen on the cross of Calvary. That love was demonstrated to the whole world. So the whole world could see how amazingly clear God's love is for his people. He died on the cross to save us from our sins. He did no sin. We committed the sin. He who was without, without sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And God raised him on the third day as proof positive to all the world that all who believe in Jesus Christ shall be saved. Thank God for the word that is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus gave us a mandate to observe the word. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He gave us a model to examine the word. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And he gave us a motivation to obey the word. John 15 and 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what we, you will, and it shall be done to you. And so read your history books. Read your business books. Read your theology books, but in all your reading, make sure you study your Bible. God has sent you everything you need for life and godliness, and it's all contained in God's Word. Word of God for the people of God, to the glory of God. Grace be unto each of you. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord, for your amazing love toward us, and thank you, Lord, for your word. Now, Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to spend time examining your word on a daily basis. Help us, O oh Lord, to fight the distractions and competing things for our time because there's no one who loves us more and there's nothing more valuable than spending time with you. As we do, reveal yourself to us time and time again that we may know, understand, and believe. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said amen.